Hi, and welcome to the Literati Cast. I'm Jennifer Loughran, and I'm a senior agent at the Andrea Brown Literary Agency, repping kids' books from baby books through young adult. Each episode, I sit down with my publishing world friends and dish the dirt about all things kid lit. This episode, by popular demand, is all about the mystical world of chapter books. So a couple of quick things before we get started. First of all, as I'm sure I will mention again in the upcoming interview, I just have to say it more than once, some people use the phrases chapter books to mean any book with chapters. No. In publishing, chapter books is actually specific terminology. It means those bridge books between early readers and middle grade books. Like usually for six, seven-year-olds-ish, often are usually series. So Magic Treehouse is the classic example of like the ultimate chapter books. But of course, there are many. My clients write them, including the Ranger in Time series by Kate Messner, for example. So when you think about what we're talking about here, chapter books, that is what we mean. Second, probably the most asked question of me with regard to chapter books, lots of people say, how do I query an agent for a chapter book? Because so many agents just say they want picture books or middle grade, but they don't mention chapter books at all. And I'm going to be blunt. People don't usually say chapter books in their wish lists, agents, I mean, because chapter books are just a much smaller market than picture book and middle grade, which are these huge sprawling categories. Uh, chapter books kind of niche. Um, so I consider chapter books to be Different than middle grade, but a subset of middle grade. That is to say, they are very short little novels for six, seven-year-olds. So pretty much you can query anyone, any agent, who says that they rep middle grade, unless they specifically say no chapter books. So in other words, most children's book agents will look at chapter books. So when you're going through your, you know, query tracker online or whatever way you're using to make your list of who to query, look at who reps chapter books and query them, obviously, but also don't feel like, oh my God, they didn't specifically say they want chapter books. I say flip it on its head. If they don't specifically say they don't want chapter books, but they do rep middle grade, then I would go for it. As to how you query, that's just like any other novel. So follow the directions on the agency website. Usually it's something like you need the first 10 pages with the query or something like that. The manuscript should be finished, but you only need one manuscript finished. Even though chapter books tend to be series, write the first one, maybe have some ideas for future books, but don't, the first book should stand alone. All these books should stand alone. So if a kid picks up book three, they're not going to be totally lost. In other words, these are not a series where these are sequels. These are all series set in the same world, but the, st the story has to totally stand alone. Um, I say don't like waste your time basically writing three books in a series when nobody has bought the first book yet. Like maybe nobody will, and then you were spinning your wheels for nothing. So first book complete and then ideas for future books. Word count, because people are going to ask, <laughs> hovers around 6,000 to 10,000 words, give or take. I have a post about word count on my old blog that a lot of people like. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, I wrote this post because the subject is deeply uninteresting to me. So that, that way I could point people towards the post and I never have to entertain questions about it again. 
actually that foresight has made the opposite thing happen, which is people think that I'm a word counter expert. I'm not. I don't care. It's a boring and terrible thing to be an expert about. Don't at me. But I will put a link in the show notes. Also, with chapter books, uh, I mean, this is true for all kids' books, I guess, but really for chapter books, it's all about voice, voice, voice. You're not having um, necessarily plots that set the world on fire. A lot of times these books, especially if they're realistic books, they're for six-year-olds, so they tend to be smaller, more family-based plots a lot of the time. Um, So it's all about having a voice that just sounds right for that age group. And that's not something that you can really put your finger on or teach somebody how to do, but you know when you read it kind of a thing. So I would say read a lot of mentor texts, other chapter books that you aspire to and see how they do it. Like, you know, read them critically and uh, with an eye to how they create what they create. And with all of that in mind, now I am very pleased to introduce an old friend. Uh, my guest today is real good on voice. Debbie Machico Florence is the author of the adorable Jasmine Taguchi series. The first book is Jasmine Taguchi Mochi Queen, followed by Jasmine Taguchi Super Sleuth, Jasmine Taguchi Drummer Girl, and the latest, just recently out this month, Jasmine Taguchi, Flamingo Keeper. So let me see if I can get Debbie on the line. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Jen. I'm so glad to host you. Can we just dive right in? Yes, please. So I've known you forever, <laughs> literally decades at this yes. point, since live journal days. Oh, my goodness. So I feel like I've been a kind of a fly on the wall spectator for your journey. But for the folks at home, Can you talk a bit about your path to publication? Sure. Well, you are a patient fly on the wall because it's been a long journey. Um, I started writing with an eye toward publication in the early 2000s. And that was back in the day. Remember, you had to like print up your novel and you put it in a manila envelope and you write the editor's name on it with a SASE, a self-addressed envelope, and you mail it off to the publisher and you wait a really, really long time. To get well, that part back. hasn't changed. <laughs> well, that part hasn't changed, yes. But you get your you get this big fat envelope back with your manuscript. Um, so that's how I started. I write it. I started out writing uh, YA, and I think I wrote about I don't know three or four novels that will never see the light of day. But I needed to do that to learn. And um, along the way, I got uh, two nonfiction children's books published, one on China and one in Japan. And I'm a former teacher, so it was kind of in my wheelhouse, but um, wasn't the passion. I really wanted to get fiction uh, published. And I kept writing and submitting and collecting many rejections. I once got a rejection phone call. An editor called me. I'm like, so excited. I'm like, no, thank you, but keep going. So, (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like that is actually that feels like a positive thing because yes, in retrospect, they yes, they wouldn't bother calling you if they hated you or something that that's right. meant to be encouraging. Right. And I, I think, you know, and I got those re- encouraging rejection letters, but you know, after many, many years of this, I started thinking, okay, this isn't meant to be, I'm going to quit. And um, I can still remember in 2008, I decided I was going to quit and this was it. 
and I grieved. I mean, I cried and cried on the living floor and it was so heartbroken. I don't know. I cried for a long time and like, okay, I'm done. And then I stuck in a, I think it was a videotape of the movie August Rush. And I sat down to watch it. And within the first 10 minutes, I got a story idea and I grabbed a legal pad. And I think I hand wrote like 20 pages of a new story. And I thought, okay, that was the sign to me that I'm never going to quit. This is something I want to do. I, I can't stop writing. So um, since then, I just like kind of dove in and started, kept writing. And it was in 2010 that I started working on Jasmine Toguchi Mochi Queen. I got the idea from a newspaper article about making mochi. And I wanted to know what it would be like for a little girl who wanted to do the man's job of pounding mochi. And I knew this was not a YA novel. And in fact, um, was not even a middle grade novel. So I thought, okay, picture book or chapter book. And I knew nothing about writing picture books. I loved reading them. But I thought, okay, chapter books. Chapter books are kind of like novels. So um, I studied a lot of chapter books and um, started working on writing Mochi Queen. And during that time, in 2014, I was hired. Uh, I got a work for hire with Capstone to write an early chapter book series, Dorothy and Toto. And um felt very lucky because I had a lot of freedom to write these stories, even though, you know, I had to use Dorothy and Toto. They had to be sweet friendship stories. And I had to get approval not only from my editor at Capstone, but also from Time Warner, who owned the rights to the movie. And so I wrote those four chapter, early chapter book series books and had a lot of fun. And then in early 2015, I heard from, because all along I was submitting Mochi Queen and collecting rejections. And in early 2015, that's when Grace Kendall of Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux offered to buy Mochi Queen. And not only that, they wanted a series, a four-book series. And at the same time, I was looking for an agent, and that's when she contacted me and offered representation. So it was kind of like, I don't know, all these years of like floundering around, and all of a sudden, all these things came together all at once. And, mm. and now there are four books of Jasmine Toguchi, like 20 years later, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're a chapter book guru because you now have two series kind of under your belt. And uh, and it's so lucky because our topic today is chapter books. Woo-hoo. So it's a perfect fit. So <laughs> what for you is it about writing for this age group that is appealing? Huh, that's a good question. Um, I think my inner age falls between the ages of eight and 12. Um, I'm a former teacher and educator. I did outdoor education. I was an educator at a zoo. And I really loved working with the ages of like third graders through like fifth or sixth graders. And I found that age um, to be these kids are just so full of wonder and passion and excitement. They weren't yet jaded. Um, and they were also willing to ask questions. And so I found I find this age very intriguing. And also, this is the age where they start challenging things around them, like challenging rules or having lots of questions about why does it have to be that way? So um, yeah, that's why I really like this age group. Were there any chapter books that inspired you? Well, yeah. Uh, So when I decided to write Jasmine Taguchi Mochi Queen as a chapter book, I went to the library and I checked out like every chapter book and read a ton. And the ones that floated to the top that I really loved were um, Mercy Watson by Kate DiCamillo, uh, Ling and Ting by Grace Lynn, uh, Ivy and Bean by Annie Barrows, and Marty McGuire by uh, Kate Messner. And oh, also, and, and I didn't read those then, but I remember, uh, do you remember Minnie and Moo books by Dennis Kazet? 
I love those books with my daughter. When she was like four, we read like all of them. So those weren't ones that I studied, but um, I just remembered those. I love those too. So um, those are some of my favorite books that inspired me when I was getting ready to write. So like mentor texts. Yeah, mentor texts. Um, there are adorable illustrations throughout the Jasmine Taguchi books. Did you have any say in the illustrator choice? Do you work with the illustrator at all? Or is it one of those arm's length kind of things? Um, I think kind of in the middle. I, I didn't have a say in the illustrator choice, but they they also made me feel like I was part of the process when they decided on Elizabeth Vukovic. They sent me her name and her portfolio and said, this is who we're thinking about. What do you think? We like this about her. And I loved her illustrations. I said, yes, looks great. And, um, and it was such a perfect match. I love her illustration so much. She really captures the essence of Jasmine. And in fact, the first time I saw just a sketch, a rough sketch of Jasmine, I like burst into tears. I was so happy. I was sitting here with this character in my head for so long. And now she's like on the pages, um, alive. Um, and well, so and they're so lively and they cute. really are. She really just, oh, they leap off the page. Um, and also, while I didn't work directly with Elizabeth during the process, um, the team over at FSG gave me all these opportunities to give feedback. So I saw all the rough character sketches. I saw the rough illustrations for the story and then like uh, closer to final art. And I was able to offer feedback, particularly when it came to the accuracy of depicting like the Japanese culture. So I didn't work directly with Elizabeth. I feel like I was along for the ride. I was included in the process the whole time. So Jasmine has now been a mochi queen, a super sleuth, <laughs> a, a drummer girl, and a flamingo keeper. <laughs> Are any of the characters or incidents in these books based on real stories from you or your family, aka did you steal anything? I did steal some stuff. Um, Jasmine's Neighborhood is based on the one I grew up in, in West Los Angeles. And in fact, I did have a neighbor named Mrs. Reese who had an apricot tree and she did let all the kids in the neighborhood climb it. It wasn't my thinking spot. I wish it were. And she also had a really cool garage filled with um, all these fun things to um, for us to play with. I particularly remember this China doll and this really old doll, like a doll carriage. Um, as for characters, uh, Students or kids, readers always ask me if I was like Jasmine. And the truth is, <laughs> I was more like Sophie. I was the big sister who made all kinds of rules for my younger sister. And she had to follow them or I wouldn't play with her. <laughs> oh. uh, hopefully, I'm not like that anymore. I'll have to ask her about that. <laughs> um, and I was kind of a shy kid at Jasmine's age. Um, so she is much more based on my daughter, Caitlin, when she was that age. Uh, Caitlin's grown up now, but she was very similar to what Jasmine was like in, this, in these stories. Um, so uh, I have some listener questions if okay, you're down for that. Cool. So Catlin says, hi, Debbie. I attended the workshop you did at NESCBWI. That's a mouthful. <laughs> with your editor, Grace Kendall. There was so much information packed into that session that I still think about it each time I see your books on social media and at my library. So I will say that is not really a question so much as a comment, but uh, while we're on the topic, I've heard about this mythical session again and again with people saying how interesting and useful it was. Are there any big picture highlights you can give us? Oh, well, I'm so glad uh, to hear that people found the workshop helpful. We did try and cram a lot into that hour. Um, I think big picture highlights. I think maybe 
focus on writing the first book. If you want to write a chapter book, I know chapter books are usually part of a series, but to really focus on writing that first book and writing it well, developing a really strong and unique character, uh, perhaps having ideas for more books if you're thinking series. But again, I feel like, you know, that first book really has to be able to stand on its own and the character has to pop. I mean, I, I really wrote Jasmine as a standalone because I didn't see myself writing a series. Um, and can I chime in? Mm-hmm. I would say a lot of people don't know perhaps why chapter books are often in series. Mm-hmm. And I might be able to elucidate that yes. in a couple of points. One is that chapter books <clears throat> almost always are published in paperback and they're very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that means that combined with the fact that kids that age get really voracious, they're still becoming fluent readers yeah. And so they will find a character that they love and then they want more and more stories about that character. And parents or teachers think, oh, well, these books are so cheap. <laughs> I can buy four of them. So, um, and also part two of that is that I don't know if you've looked at the chapter book section. And when I say chapter books, I specifically mean chapter books like Magic Treehouse or mm-hmm. Jasmine Taguchi or Ivy and Bean or whatever. They're usually in a separate section from middle grade. Um, some people use those phrases interchangeably, but they're not mm-hmm. actually in publishing. Middle grade is a notch older. Yes. So those chapter books series, as you'll notice, are always really thin, which means that you are not taking up very much real estate on the bookshelf when you only have one thin little book right. in between a bunch of series. So it's hard to see them. Yes. So literally, you have to have multiple books in order to take up enough room on the shelf so that people will know to look for you and will be able to spy your book. Yes. And that's like why Jasmine Taguchi, for example, which I will be giving away a a couple copies. Woo. Woo. You'll notice if you look at the book that the spines are really cute because they're almost always spined out. And that way people can actually see them on the shelf. Like, oh, there's four of this really cute matching polka dotted situation. Oh, yeah. I love the designer. She did such a great job with it. <laughs> They're amazing. Yes. But like, so to answer people's questions, like, yes, there you theoretically can do standalone chapter books. They're just more rare because yeah. of the the way that the P&L works out, the way that people buy them, those consumers kids aren't reading chapter books for very long. Right. They go from early readers, chapter books really fast, yeah. you know, maybe around age six or seven, and then they go on to middle grade. So that little window, they will buy six books at a time. Right. And something that I've learned along the way, like um, a teacher had told me a story about one of her students who was a non-reader, but fell in love with uh, Mochi Queen and subsequently became a reader and moved on quickly to reading middle grade books. But every time a new Jasmine Taguchi book comes out, she goes back and gets it. And so these readers, while they might age out quickly, are also very loyal, I think. I mean, listen, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with like Sweet Valley Twins and, uh, <laughs> and you know, Babysitter's Club and whatever. And I was very quickly reading The Godfather and <laughs> romance novels. But listen, I still got the new Sweet Valley Twins when it came out. Yep. Um, even though I could read more because I felt I loved those characters. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Fred asks, I'm curious, aside from the age of the protagonist, 
What do you think are some of the most important considerations when first creating and plotting a new chapter book? Huh? Well, I think pretty much what I said before was, you know, creating a strong, believable character and focusing on, you know, appropriate storylines. Usually I find that chapter books have one plot, an emotional arc and a story arc. Like in Mocha Queen, the emotional arc is Jasmine wanting to do something first before her big sister and also wanting to do something different that Sophie's never done which is pounding mochi with the men. And even with the larger themes of like breaking traditional uh, tradition and gender roles, it's still an age appropriate emotional arc for an eight year old wanting to do something that her big sister hasn't done before. And then the story arc is how will Jasmine convince her family that she's big enough to pound mochi. So I feel like, you know, chapter books um, tend to have, you know, one plot with an emotional arc and a story arc versus, you know, multiple plot lines and subplots and all that. Um, and Fred's follow-up to that was, are there considerations around language, say, to keep it from aging up to a middle grade? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was never, not even in my Dorothy and Toto books did I, was I given like, here's a vocabulary list. I think that, you know, you try and keep the language simple and the, maybe the sentences a little shorter. Um, I think just making sure it sounds like something that age character would say, uh, I think my editor would go sometimes back and forth on a particular word, like, is this right? How about this word? Um, and also making sure it's right for the, for the particular character. Like, you know, an eight-year-old might say, golly gee, maybe, but Jasmine would not. So I think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> word choice is important, uh, but I don't think there's like any hard and fast rules. Can you say walnuts as Jasmine would say it? Yes, walnuts. <laughs> I, I picture her sort of stamping her foot. Yes, walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deanna asks, "I would love to hear your process for plotting, or maybe not plotting, a chapter book. Given the shorter length, is there a formula you follow specifically for chapter books?" You know, it's funny because I uh, listened to the podcast you did with Aaron Dion, where you guys were talking about pantsers versus plotters, and I was kind of mulling that over because I am typically a pantser when drafting a novel. Uh, for, it's, for me, it's more like thinking out loud. I don't really write the first draft as, you know, by the seat of my pants. Uh, it's more like a really long outline. Um, but when it comes to chapter books, I am a plotter. Uh, first, because I don't have a lot of room or time to ramble on. It's very set word length. Um, all the Jasmine mm-hmm. books are about 10,000 words. So I don't have a lot of room to, to ramble. And, um, I, I need to know what the story is about. So what happens, how the character resolves, whatever want, need, or problem they have. Um, but I don't have a formula. I think I come up with a basic premise, like Jasmine wants to pound mochi with the men in her family. And then I make a list of all the possible obstacles for the character to meet their need or want. Her big sister, her mom with all the rules, her grandma is very traditional, her mean cousin Eddie. Um, I also try and figure out the ending that I want. Uh, Jasmine gets to pound mochi. Whoops, spoiler alert. Jasmine gets to pound <laughs> mochi. <laughs> and then I go backwards from there to figure out how she gets there. But I have to admit that with every book I write, it feels like it's the first time I'm ever doing it. So while I have a basic plan of how to write a chapter book, I seem to do things you know, differently each time. Um, I feel lucky that I have grace because, of course, Mochi Queen I wrote, and it took me a long time because I kind of didn't know what I was doing. And I had to sell it. But by the time it was time to write books two through four, I was under contract. And I would send Grace like 
draft two or three and we'd go back and forth and she'd help me find like the threads or the themes. And she'd all, also, she'd make me feel really smart. She'd say stuff like, I see here that you were trying to do this. I'm like, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. (laughs) 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 Um, So uh, Gracelyn says, I love hearing about people's working schedules, time management. I'm always looking for tips. I imagine that keeping up with a publishing schedule to have the books come out in such close succession is a challenge. Can you talk about that? Uh, So honestly, I have to say having those deadlines actually helped me. I remember when we were hammering out the contract and there was this, you know, deadline for this book and final draft at this time and then book two here. And I remember my agent saying, you know, if this is too much, we can talk to the editor and see about changing the deadlines. And I thought, no, you know what? I know myself. I work really well on deadlines. So even though at one point while I was doing copy edits of Mochi Queen, revision of Super Sleuth and drafting uh, Drummer Girl, not all simultaneously, but kind of at in the same, same period of time, I it really helped me to know that I was on deadline because I'm like focused on that. I would get to my office. I knew I had to get these things done and I would seriously just hone in on the writing. So right now, I don't have any deadlines, so I'm a little bit more loose with my time, and I feel like I'm just not as productive as I could be. I probably could have written like three novels by now, but I haven't. (laughs) You know you can make your own deadline. I do that. I do that with a couple of friends of mine. We make each other deadlines, and with one friend, we even give each other prizes if we meet our deadline. And he's been way too lenient with me. I like won't meet a deadline. He's like, here's your present anyway. No, I'll with you. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any interest in writing, say, picture books or middle grade? And also, what other books do you have planned, if you could share? Uh, See myself writing middle grade. Um, In fact, I have. I've written middle grade. I just finished a first draft of a new middle grade kind of fantasy of sorts about a 10-year-old Japanese-American girl who's been tasked with breaking a family curse. I don't know about picture books. I love picture books. Um, I'm working, I'm co-authoring a picture book biography right now. And that's kind of like, I'm really enjoying that. But I don't know about picture book fiction. I'm not going to say never. But um, that would be like a whole huge learning curve for me. But uh, yeah, I see myself, you know, writing all kinds of things. I'm not going to tell myself I can't do something. Um, Follow up. Can you talk about your ducks? Oh, I can talk about my ducks. I can see my ducks from my window right here. I have two ducks, uh, Darcy and Lizzie. Guess that I'm a Jane Austen fan. Uh, Darcy is a Peking duck and Lizzie is an Indian runner duck. And they are four years old now. I got them kind of on accident. Uh, My husband made me go to the tractor supply store with him because he was getting some gardening stuff. And I did not want to go because there's nothing there for me. So um, he kept saying, come on, just come. So I'm like, fine. So I go. And that's when they had the ducklings for sale. Spring. And I was like besotted. I just wanted a duck so bad. And, um, you know, I said, I want two ducks. And he never said no. Of course, he's my (laughs) husband. I was going to say no. But he's like, they're a lot of work because he's had a farm before and I haven't. But I'm like, I love them. I'm going to take care of them. And, And I have never once regretted it. They are so much fun. And I've learned so much about ducks. They're so smart. They're like dogs. They follow commands. They'll they'll um, do naughty things, and you tell them to stop it, and they will. And then when you're not looking, they'll do go they, back. <laughs> do they come when they're called? They do. 
They come when they're called. They go home when they're called. Uh, if I tell them to get water because I want them to rinse their dirty beaks off, they'll come and dunk their uh, beaks in the water. So um, they are super smart. And if I yell cookies, they'll always come running. Yes. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> so I know you already talked about some favorite um, chapter book that you used as mentor texts. Are there any other titles you think, especially fans of Jasmine Taguchi, they finished the series as it stands so far mm-hmm. and they want to know what's next. What do they read next? Um, I would suggest Jada Jones by Kelly Starling Lyons, Starling Lyons and uh, Cleo Edison Oliver by Sunday Frazier. Uh, who else? Um, I knew I should have written these down. Oh, the infamous Ratsos by Carol Rowe. Oh, and you know what books I'm looking forward to is Meet Yasmin by Sadia Faruqi. Um, I actually got to read an arc, and it's super cute. I think kids will really like it. Um, that comes out at the end of summer, I think. Awesome. I will have links to all of those in the show notes. So if anybody did not catch those titles, I will have uh, links about them so you can go check them out. Cool. Um, finally, <laughs> Debbie, as you know, you've listened to this podcast yes, before. I have. I always ask my guests what they are obsessed with this week. Now, this, this does not have to be bookish, but it can be. While you're thinking of your obsession, I will tell you my obsession. Cool. So some time ago, listeners may remember, I talked about the Netflix show Nailed It, Nailed It, okay. where people who are definitely not champion bakers attempt to recreate Pinterest-worthy elaborate confections with very dubious results. <laughs> it's hilarious. There's now a season two up on Netflix. Yay. However, let's say you've burned through all those because they're very short episodes. In that case, allow me to recommend Sugar Rush. I think that I'm obsessed with cooking shows at the moment because I just redid my kitchen and I didn't have a kitchen for like four months. And all I could think about was all the things I wanted to bake and yeah. I couldn't. So now, although I finally have a kitchen and I have been baking things, I still am on my kick of cooking shows. Anyway, Sugar Rush is another Netflix show in which four teams of very good bakers have to race against the clock to turn out three rounds of baked goods. There's cupcakes, confections, and cakes, all based around a theme. The judges are the woman who started the Sprinkles Cupcake Empire, This guy, Adriana Zumbo, who is a very famous Australian confectioner and also has his own show and famous guest judges. Um, It's a little tense because of the ticking clock factor, but the flavor combos and decorations that these folks come up with are generally awesome. And so it's maybe less funny than nailed it, but it's also more satisfying because the teams are quite talented. The winners are great instead of just like the least awful. (laughs) (laughs) And I find shows like this to be totally candy distraction. Yeah. Um, and not having to worry about anything in the real world. Right. Yay. Which is good. You know, um, I have to say on uh, following yours, because now I want to watch both of those shows. Um, our own Adam Young of S- our Sift Bakery in our town won America's Best Baker on Food Network oh, nice. recently. Yeah, it's it's awesome. He's, he's awesome. But now I can't, there's this huge long line and I can't really get my treats anymore, but anyway, I'll be paid. Damn it. <laughs> All right, Debbie, what are you obsessed oh, with? I'm going to follow on on your theme on food. Um, I love subscription boxes. 
Um, I love getting mail and I love subscription boxes, like getting presents once a month. And I've tried a few, but by far my favorite um, that I'm getting right now is called Boxu. It's B-O-K-K-S-U. It's a subscription box of Japanese snacks. Um, now that I don't live in California, I don't have the kind of access I had to Japanese markets and Japanese snacks, and I miss them. So this boxu, um, once a month, you get a box of Japanese snacks directly from Japan, and they're usually themed like two months ago as a citrus theme. And I just recently opened my latest box, and I'm working my way through it. Uh, and my favorite thing in it right now is these buttery crackers with a thin layer of red bean paste in the middle. Um but anyway, each box comes with a ton of snacks, like one or two, sometimes three samples of each thing, and a little booklet that tells you what each snack item is, what part of Japan it's from, um, anything special or interesting about it, and key ingredients in case of you know allergies. Uh, but um, oh, I love it so much. I had to take a break for a couple of months because it's just me and my husband here, and um, I can't eat fast enough, so I'm working my way through these boxes, and then I'll re-up my subscription um, this fall. But, oh, I love it. Oh, my God, that sounds amazing, yes. and I need to subscribe. <laughs> okay, thank you, Debbie, so thank much for joining you. me. Good talking to you. And I'll see you on the Internet. Okay. Thanks again to Debbie Manchico Florence for joining me, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're able to have a literati cast because we have a Patreon. So thanks so much to the patrons. Throw in a buck and you just might win books, including a copy of Jasmine Taguchi. That's at patreon.com slash literati cast. Also, I give patrons a first crack at asking questions of our super cool guests. So um, that's a little bonus too. I've put links to all the books and snacks we talked about up on the show notes on my website. That's jenniferlawfren.com slash literaticast. If you like the podcast, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. It helps other folks find us and it makes me happy. Thanks for again for listening and see you next time. <laughs>